You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. Welcome, everybody. This is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era and improv new stories off the top of our heads to imagine how we might improve our favorite movies, TV shows, and games. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we were raised by rentals. Mike, it's our ninth episode. Woohoo! Wow. <laughs> Almost to that big number 10. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you know, and we actually, we've had more than that. And if you count in the rental rant episodes, so that's, that's pretty exciting. You know, when we first started doing this, I would not have expected that we would go weekly so fast. <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't see that coming either, <laughs> but it was, it was good. You know, the idea was originally to have a biweekly show with kind of like longer episodes, but you know, as we've explained before, the rental rants are kind of a, a venue for us to take some of the uh so some of the opinions and 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 rants and diatribes and and uh you know speeches and whatever we have about some of our other ideas and our uh, getting up getting up on soapbox uh you know um long-winded rants about things and have put those somewhere else so that we could focus on storytelling and not have our episodes you know balloon out to four or five hours long um, exactly and uh, yeah, so we have a pretty interesting uh, idea, I think, for this episode, because I know, Mike, that uh, there, there's this guy. Maybe you've heard of this guy, right? He's a he's a motivational speaker, right? And yeah, yeah. Super, super high energy, like gives 110 percent. And uh, I guess he must be a bit down on his luck because I heard I heard uh, he was he was down on, on bad times. Right. Have you heard the same thing about this guy? Yeah, yeah, I have. I, I heard he's uh, he's currently living in a van down by the river. <laughs> No, no, it's more like, in a van down by the river. <laughs> good old Matt Foley. Oh, good old Matt Foley. <laughs> oh, man. So, ooh, this is, we say this every single time, I think, or at least every other storytelling episode, we say we've really, like, put ourselves in a corner <laughs> yeah. and to the point where we're a little bit nervous about where the episode will go. You know, sometimes we get like kind of a comfortable, like a more of a, uh, a comfort zone kind of an idea. Like let's just mash up commando and a Terminator and have an action movie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then like, sometimes like we're two like two young children playing with toys <laughs> at that point. Exactly. Just mash up the action figures. Bang, bang, bang. You know, mm-hmm. like let's, we'll, we'll bring in the predator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And then, but then sometimes we're like, let's just find like a board game with no storyline, <laughs> you know, and try to try to have a, an hour and a half episode about that. <laughs> just see what happens. Uh, well, yeah. And so, you know, we've also talked from the very beginning about wanting to get more TV shows onto uh, the Raised by Rentals here. Uh, we've talked about a lot of different movies and we've tried to go games, both video games and, you know, board games. Uh, and we finally just decided amongst ourselves you know, uh, behind look behind the curtain here that we really, really needed to do a TV show episode. But the problem with TV shows, especially from the VHS era, uh, I think the problem is really is twofold, right? The first part of it is they were so long ago. And, you know, unlike a movie that you could probably remember, you know, the plot, even if you haven't seen it in a long time, trying to remember all the ins and outs and in jokes and like recurring characters and themes of like a, of a TV show, you know, from 20, 30 years ago is hard. Right. Yeah. 
and of course that leads into the second part of why it's difficult which is having to then go back and rewatch those shows which is difficult both because there, there's a lot of episodes right because like network television seasons used to be like 26 episodes long you know in yep. some cases but also just finding them um luckily these days like so many things are coming back on streaming you know i remember you know getting excited about watching cheers and seinfeld you know and stuff oh, like yeah. that um and of course you know the x-men cartoon you know comes back on streaming and and so now we have this like wealth of, of options but still it's you know it's a lot of homework so we were thinking how do we do a tv show which is already a challenge in and of itself, but not have to do all this homework. And somehow we painted ourselves into a corner <laughs> by thinking, wouldn't it be brilliant if we did something like Saturday Night Live? Because they have all these characters from their skits that are recurring characters that you know people are really familiar with, you know, like Wayne's World, um, and of course. In the 90s, primarily, there was a whole uh, spat or a whole streak of movies where, you know, Lorne Michaels produced full length movie versions uh, of those skits. Uh, and again, I mentioned Wayne's World, but Coneheads and, you know, A Night at the Roxbury and Superstar are some of the other examples. And most recently with MacGruber in 2010. And so we thought, yeah, this would be perfect. We'll do like an SNL movie. That'd be great because we can just watch some skits and it'll be like really simple homework and it won't be super hard. And yeah, we'll just do a Saturday Night Live movie. But then the problem became, but like about what? <laughs> you know? well, right, because it's kind of a one note joke. You know, it's it's basically he's a, a overly caffeinated divorcee that lives in a van down by the river. So it's. How do you turn that into a film? And I mean, I don't know about you. I I have a few weird ideas, but mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I figure we'll see where the 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 episode takes us. Um, but before we even get started, I just want to acknowledge the the unfortunate elephant in the room that I am very sick. <laughs> so I apologize to the listeners if I cough, sneeze, or snork at all during the episode. <laughs> I will try my damnedest to mute. But I, I can't promise that a cough or two won't sneak out between uh, between us talking. Yeah, so. no, it, it, thanks for saying that. And I don't mean to I don't mean to laugh uh, at you being sick. <laughs> Obviously, that's terrible. But you, you said snork. And <laughs> not only is that a funny word, but then in my head, I was just picturing the cartoon, the snorks, yep. <laughs> which in and of itself is funny. Uh, <laughs> Now there's an idea for a movie. A story. Yeah, let's, let's go back. Let's go watch all the episodes of the the four episode or four seasons or however of many the there were snork. of the fucking snorks. The underwater it, Smurfs. Right. Well, I was gonna say if you're listening to this and you don't know what the snorks are, first of all, like thank you for listening to this because you must be really young, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you probably don't know what any of the movies are that we talk about because you probably were born after the VHS era. But hey, welcome to the show. And uh, but yeah, the snorks. Yeah, right. Exactly. It was the the underwater smurfs um fun fact my i think i want to say my earliest memory of drawing my own original oh. characters uh that i can remember was uh drawing my own like ripoff version of the snorks and i remember what i used to do is i would like take a uh, paper out of like a notebook or a drawing paper drawing pad and i would tape them together and until i had these big long like scrolls long sheets and then i would draw like uh like a panoramic um 
you know, view or, or like a landscape. And so I would draw their whole like underwater world with like all the characters like swimming from like page to page to page. I mean, and so every time I would sit down to draw, I would like get a new sheet and like tape it on the end and be like, okay, well, what's next to this building? Like what's over here? That's kind of <laughs> cool actually. <laughs> yeah. I remember that being fun. So that, that's actually my fond memory of the Snorks, not even so much the show, but just that it's, it, it spawned my own like bootleg version of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I had some some name for, but I don't remember what it was. I probably called them something stupid like the Snorkels. (laughs) (laughs) The Snarks. (laughs) There you go. Uh, But yeah, but back on track, right? So yeah, I mean, SNL was a huge, a huge, uh, a huge hit maker back in the 90s. I mean, I was just watching some of the uh, Matt Foley skits just today and like noticing the the star power, you know, of the time that was in some of these skits, you know, David Spade, right. Adam Sandler, Tim Meadows, you know, the, the, the list goes on and on. And then guest stars like Christina Applegate and Christian Slater and uh, Martin Lawrence, you know, and a, a bunch of them. So, you know, and, and, and like I said, they, there was a whole, uh, a whole series of movies that respond out of SNL. And I think to this day, it's definitely in, you know, my top five, maybe top 10, definitely of just favorite TV shows of all time. It's one of the only, uh, you know, long running shows that I still consistently watch. Like when there's a new episode, I watch it as soon as I can. Right. So I don't know what your history is with SNL, if you ever, if you still watch it, but I think there's some cool uh, characters on the new, the new shows, but there was just something magical about the 90s. And I thought, or we thought together, like, let's try to do something like that. Let's look at those 90s SNL spinoff movies, some good, some bad, and let's add our uh, installment to that series. So Uh, I definitely think it's going to go in different directions, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think most of the movies that came out, um, basically just followed the format of the skits they were based on. Wayne's World got a little a little more serious, but still, you know, a funny, goofy movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, its pat was completely forgettable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, The Ladies' Man, I think, got a little bit more serious than the character probably was on the show. But for the most part, it, they were just long-form versions, you know, of the skits. But we thought, that's cool, but... I don't know how to do a long form version of a Matt Foley motivational speaker skit, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I, I wouldn't even want to attend, you know, like a seminar (laughs) by him. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just running around eating coffee beans and shit. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I feel like this is a, this is a movie where there, there's a chance obviously for the comedy, but I, I think there's a chance for a more serious take. Um, Especially because like, yeah it's funny watching chris farley throw himself through walls and through coffee tables but at the same time the character is really fucked up like there's a lot wrong with this guy you know it's like it's kind of sad like to to look at how fucked up his life is so i I feel like there's some legs there but uh i don't know I, i i don't know where you were thinking of starting with the film but i almost feel like the the classic uh, this is a this is a thing we saw a lot in the early 90s where you have the opening credits as we do a pan by of like photos like, you know, like photos on a wall or on a mantle or something. And I'm imagining seeing Matt's life, you know, like Matt in college, you know, maybe like getting his degree, like doing his first seminar, you know, meeting his first wife, Linda, 
you know, having <laughs> their their first kid, you know, all like all these different things. And then, like, pan out and maybe show him in the van down by the river, <laughs> you know? Like, mm-hmm. oh, shit changed for poor Matt. And maybe maybe that's where we start at. What, yeah, what do I do. I agree. I, I like that. I hadn't thought about something like that. You know, I was thinking we should start or ha- start. I like your idea better, so we'll start there. But we, I want to get to a recreation uh, of the first Matt Foley uh, skit, the first SNL uh, introduction of the character, which we'll circle circle back to in a minute and kind of like walk through like what happens in that skit and you know and just to sort of recreate it for ourselves. But right. yeah, I really I really like this idea uh, of the you know sort of montage, uh, the the you know the life of of Matt Foley up to the point where we meet him, where he's hired to be the motivational speaker, you know, by, uh, by uh, a guy who catches his kids, you know, smoking pot. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think if you're talking about like, you know, he gets married, he has a kid and then now he's like living in a van down by the river. Well, it's like, do we want to show something bad that happened like in this like montage or like photo, you know, sequence series here at the beginning? Like, I, I don't know. I don't think I don't so. know. You don't think so? Okay. No, because I because I actually have an idea of like the way I'm picturing the 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 breakdown of this film would be like we, we start with that, like leading into to who Matt is. And then we meet the Matt that we know from the SNL skits. And then between like uh, his his jobs, let's say we're going to see moments of his life. So we would see like when things went bad with Linda you know, how did he meet his other wife? Like, cause he was divorced oh, okay. three times. Yeah. So we, we know this guy has gone through some crazy ups and downs. So I almost feel like we, we make with the haha, you know, mm-hmm. and have like the funny, like, Oh, he's talking to the kids about the wacky weed, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but then we go serious and see him like, you know, maybe in an argument with his first wife while the the kid listens at the top of the stairs type of thing. And we we kind of like juxtapose the bad shit he went through with like the funny SNL bits that we know and love. Yeah. OK, I think I think this is good. Um, don't let me forget. I, I want to talk about like what it was like. There has to be some breaking point in his past. Like what was the thing yes. that kind of that kind of took him from, you know, happy family man to, you know, being kind of desperate? You know, was it alcoholism or mental illness or he lost his job? You know, we, we got to kind of decide on like wh- what was the the thing that started the ball rolling you know, or his for his downward, you know, uh, downward spiral, I guess. But yeah, I really so I like this idea. Right. We start off with like this, you know, over the credits, like photograph or like uh, Polaroid like montage, like I said, you know, here's him growing up. He's super, you know, happy kid meets his wife partying in college. They get married, you know, they have a kid. And then maybe what we do is we freeze frame and zoom in on the last photo in this sequence. And the last one is it's a happy memory. Like maybe it's a birthday party, you know, or a family dinner. And we get Matt Foley right in the middle, big smile, big, happy, cheesy, you know, Chris Farley smile. And we kind of zoom in on that smile as he, he looks so happy. But of course, as we zoom the camera in, you're like, OK, like, well, what, what's going on here? You know, we're kind of like right. zooming, zooming into me. It, it, it looks kind of creepy as we get closer to it. But then we, we should cut to like uh, 
like a phone there's a phone ringing or uh, would, he, would he have a phone in his van down by the river i don't know <laughs> but like, but something or maybe just an alarm clock but like yeah alarm clock would probably be good like something wakes him up right we go right. we pan, we pan so far into that picture that the screen goes black we hear this noise something you know is waking up matt and then we see him sit up in his you know uh, you know whatever makeshift bed he has in the back of his van he sits up and you know just you know snorts and you know looks around trying to figure out where he is and then he sees his alarm clock or whatever it is that woke him up and it's just like you know oh shit i'm late you know and it's like you kind of see and you see him getting ready again he's like he pops out the back of the van and he's like giving himself like a horse bath with like wet wipes or something (laughs) you know paper towels you know and he's like maybe he's got his clothes like hung on on, like a tree branch or something like hung up to dry and he's taking taking his tie down and like you know maybe it snags on a branch and he's just like you know some of that uh physical comedy that chris farley is so famous for you know the right the sort of Pratt falls and, you know, stupid shit like his tie gets caught in the branch and he like falls over or something trying to pull it down, <laughs> you know. And again, we kind of make with the funny right away. But you could also see that, hey, what happened between that happy that happy moment in that photograph to like what the hell's going on with this van and living like a like a bum outside of town? Yeah. And then we kind of cut cut to him like r- rushing maybe not in his van like maybe the van doesn't move maybe he's you know getting out of a cab or something or on a on a bike or in some shitty broken down car but whatever it is like he's rushing to the suburbs and we see you know phil hartman out on like you know the front porch like looking at looking at his watch and like you know and here comes matt like oh i'm coming i'm coming you know yep. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I almost think we, we want to go with a bike just because okay. like it, it adds that layer of physical comedy that you know you need in a chris farley film because yeah. again and and i'm a fat guy myself but if a fat guy on a little bike is funny it's just funny to watch a guy pedal it <laughs> away like that and especially with chris farley's like over animated expressions yeah you know like that would that would make for a very funny sequence um and again we want to we want to keep that humor present because it is an snl movie so and and it is yeah. going to be based on the skit that is primarily physical comedy. You know, most mm-hmm. of, of the, the skit is Chris Farley getting like doing a weird voice, you know, hoisting his pants up, walking around funny and throwing mm-hmm. his body through furniture and walls. <laughs> like, yeah. That's primarily yeah. what the skit is. So, yeah. So, no, I like this. He, he comes rushing up like, oh, I made it. I made it. You know, I'm here. You know, <laughs> maybe Phil Hartman's like, you know, this whole thing. OK, my kids are going to be home any minute. You know, why don't you go wait in the basement? There's coffee down there. Mm-hmm. And and maybe like when he gets down there, this is like he hasn't eaten or drank anything in like a day. So he's like huffing down the coffee, like yeah. freaking out. And we don't know why he's acting like that just yet. We just mm-hmm. see, like, oh, ha, ha, ha. He loves his coffee. Little do we know he had no money for food or drink. <laughs> and he's yeah. just really sad the last couple of days. No, that's really good. That's good. Yeah, we can maybe maybe have some scene where like maybe he reaches into his wallet to pull out, pull out like a business card or something and just something visual for the audience to see that like he opens his wallet up and it's empty, you know, um, or or maybe you know, while he's in his van, we see him like scrounging, you know, like in his like little like mini fridge. Maybe, you know, it's the, the classic movie joke of, you know, he's got like a slice of American cheese and some ketchup, you know, and it's like, well, I guess that's breakfast, you know, and kind of right. deliver that message while at the same time. Like, it's kind of funny because this guy, oh, this guy's so silly, like lives in a van and he's American cheese for breakfast, you know. <laughs> right. uh, but it's all you know but there's like a sadness there right exactly. um, 
yeah, so we get to the house and then we do we do like the the whole recreation of that first skit, right? So and just for for I I think we've assumed from the beginning that anyone listening to this is familiar with this incredibly popular you know TV character from the '90s, but like just in case, let's kind of like walk through how that first skit you know worked out. Um, and yeah, so he's hiding in the basement, like you said, you know, the kids come in, Phil Hartman, you know, playing the very serious, uh, uh, you know, clean cut, you know, white collar dad. And he's like, you know, we, we, <laughs> the mom is, she says something like, oh, we found your, your bag of uh, weed or pot. And I love Christina Applegate's character. Cause she's like, oh, like, oh they said that, they said that the maid founder, the cleaning lady <laughs> found didn't it. smoke it, did she? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, and then you know, there's there's David Spade and Christina Applegate playing these like teenagers, and then they invite Matt Foley to come up, and he's like, you know, you know, my name, I, I can't do the voice, but you know, he's like, you know, my name is Matt Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. <laughs> my name is Matt Foley. <laughs> I am a motivational speaker. Yeah, exactly. He has that great like. It's almost like trapped in his throat, kind of. Yeah, voice. exactly. It's like he's swallowing his tongue or something. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, I am 35 years old. I'm, you know, thrice I, divorced. I, yeah, thrice divorced, and then I live in a van down no, by the river. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, and then you. Go ahead. I was saying real quick, I do love the fact that every time they introduce him, they're like, we have a motivational speaker. He's been in the other room drinking coffee for the last four hours. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it's always like an exceedingly large amount of time to just be consuming caffeine. Or or even in the first, in the actually, it's either the first or the second skit, Phil Hartman goes, like, he's been in the base in the basement, you know, downing a bottle of no-dos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And there was another one. It was like he's just eating coffee beans. Yeah, exactly. Or there's a skit where he plays like a mall Santa, and they said he's he's been in like like the coffee the mall coffee shop drinking espressos for four hours, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you said. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so he's just like so over the top, and yeah, and like I said, he, he's like hunched over, and like his voice is funny, and he's sweating, and he's hiking his pants up, and he's like you know jerking his arms around, and he's like really exaggerated movements, and you know, long story short, like he's basically trying to tell the kids that they're they're not going to amount to jack squat <laughs> <laughs> if they keep smoking like the wacky tobacco, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, you know he's making fun of them for oh actually one of my favorite jokes is when uh, David. Spade's character says like oh I want to be a writer and then he's like he starts like lifting his glasses up and down up and down up and down and Chris Farley goes like you know I don't see too good is that Bill Shakespeare over there (laughs) (laughs) like well we actually encourage his writing he's like hey dad do me a favor and shut your gap (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly oh and right right from the very beginning in this first skit like they they established the, those recurring elements to that character. Like he gives that little speech about who he is and where he lives. And then, you know, he, he does some like joke about like, I don't see too good or I don't hear too good or I don't speak too good or whatever. Right. And, and then he tells someone to like, you know, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but see, now there, I think there's an important element here that w- it, it's, it's basically going to be the linchpin for our storyline he's always talking to people like he's trying to motivate him, but a lot of the times that he's motivating him, he's basically talking about addiction. Yes. Okay. He, he is clearly someone who deals with addiction. The fact that he has like this caffeine addiction, you know, in, in his motivational speakers, what if that's what ruined his life? What if, you know, he had like, he has various addictive problems. So maybe it was alcohol. Maybe it was drugs. Something fucked him up. 
where he couldn't resolve things with his wife. You know, obviously the three three different times with three different women, like the problem is obviously Matt. Like something happened. So what if he struggles severely with addiction? Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think the mention of like the no dose and the caffeine and all that and being a movie made in the 90s, you know, early 90s, uh, the first skit came out in 1993. It's not that far away, you know, from the emergence and popularity of cocaine in the 80s. And right. with you know him being so big on, like I said, caffeine and no dose and things like this, I think it would make sense if he was just like hooked on like uppers and stimulants and just coke. Like he became like a cokehead, yeah. you know, and, and maybe it could be one of these things where he was, you know, maybe he was a, a, a counselor or even, you know, since it was like the 80s, you know, he could have, you know, a high profile job like maybe he was a stock trader and like a lot of other people, very stereotypical, like Wall Street story, you know, gets hooked on the coke and the parties and that and, uh, you know, and then spirals and mm-hmm. at some point gets into rehab and and, you know, has a story to tell and and gets into being a motivational speaker because, you know, he was just he's just so high energy and so positive that you know maybe he was able to inspire some people and he thinks oh wow like i i can do this but then you fast forward a couple of years and you know his life is still in shambles because he hasn't really gotten a hold on his addictions yet and he's trying to do this motivational speaker thing and now those two aspects of his of his world are colliding into this like tragically comical character that he's become right and I think, oh, this, see, this is this is going in some cool directions here, because uh, we also have to deal with the fact that he lost everything. So, like, he had the, the high profile gig. He had the, you know, the wife and three kids, the high, you know, the house in the suburbs, everything. Well, he lost that. He ended up meeting someone else, obviously getting remarried and, you know, divorced again, that whole pattern. But now in his motivational speaking gig, he has to see people who have it better than him. So he's being constantly reminded of everything he lost while trying to inspire people not to become the person he's become. So what is that going to do to his psyche? Like, eventually he's going to fucking snap. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, if you're constantly in that yeah. world of, you know, this is the shit I'm, I'm missing. I haven't yeah. I don't have this anymore because of my problems. And I mean, we see that in this first skit because he's like, I'm going to bunk with you. Like, he mm-hmm. tries to, like barge in and stay with this family because they have it better than he does. Yeah. Cause he oh, even says, really I'm sick of living in a van down by the river, you know? Yeah. No, that's really good. Hey, what if, what if, you know, we back up a little bit and when he gets to the house and Phil Hartman invites him in, you know, obviously he's been riding his bike and he's all like sweaty and he's you know, high energy. And, and then, you know, Hartman's like, yeah, go down like in like the, the rec room down in the basement, there's like coffee and donuts down there. And he's, you know, going to go down there and like, you know, we, we can kind of do like the Tommy boy joke of like just eating bear claws, you know, two at a <laughs> right. time. But at the same time, like what if while he's down there, like he's, or while he's walking through the hallway, like he sees like a, like a picture of their family, similar to his photo that we like zoomed in on. And now here's a picture of Phil Hartman family and they're so happy they're at some event and we have him stop and kind of stare at it like wistfully you know and we don't as the audience we don't really know exactly what's going on but based on that that you know photo montage at the beginning you know we can kind of show pretty early on that like you know hey he misses his family we don't know what happened to him yet but like right. you know and then he comes out of the basement and like acts like a maniac and is like let me bunk with you and move in here and ha 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 he like literally like picks this kid up and like wrestles with him and it's like there's some kind of like sad like missing dad energy going on there yeah you know no absolutely no i like that 
Yeah, so we have him go through this whole – yeah, so the skit ends with, you know, he just gets overly excited and, like, throws himself through a table. <laughs> and then, you know, we get that silly pratfall and, and then, you know, that slapstick comedy. And then, of course, he makes that joke, like you said, about wanting to, like, I'm going to bunk with you, you know, David Spade. And, you know, I'm going to move in here. And when he, you know, he goes out to, like, get his gear, you know, and he's like, I'll be right back. Which, of course, you know, we see him, you know, with, like, saddlebags on his bicycle or something, you know. Right. And, uh, but, of course, they just, like, lock the door and don't let him back in. And, and But maybe we didn't see that in the original skip and maybe we see that here where he comes back on the porch with like his like a duffel bag and you know and the door's locked and he's like hey what the heck like oh you locked me out ding dong and now they're like staring out the window like afraid to open the door you know right <laughs> and then and we may, see may, good oh good i was gonna say maybe we could see like a minor breakdown here like where he you know he starts pounding the door like hey guys you locked me out like you know come on come on i i, I need to get in come on you can't do this to me and like maybe have like the voice start dropping and we see mm-hmm. The, like the the um you know the desperation you know begin to to yeah. build in him before he hangs his head realizing like well th- this one's over t- this one's over too and he throws his bag back on his bike and starts sadly pedaling away yeah yeah and maybe we see a little bit of that rage like you said uh let that escalate a little bit I maybe mean, he starts banging on the door like hey let me in like you know you invited me like you hired me and then you know he, like i said he you know kind of he kind of calms down he sees him staring he sees them like especially maybe the kids the teenagers like looking frightened outside the window and yeah. maybe that's when he's like you know i wanted to i want to show that like he clearly is going to dark places, whether that's rage, you know, desperation, lashing out at other people. I think, you know, his family probably became like a fearful place to be for his, you know, wife and kids at some point. And I want to kind of show that, like, now he's scaring these kids, but have him realize it and like, okay, I'm gonna back off, like I'm gonna leave. But yeah, he leaves dejected, obviously. Right. I do want to have the, this one scene. Uh, maybe it, maybe it's maybe it's here or maybe it's a little later. But I want to have a scene where he goes into like a fast food joint or like, you know, some kind of like uh place to get like coffee and donuts or something like that. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll just do like a McDonald's. That was in every freaking nineties movie. Sure. So it goes into McDonald's to like get something to eat. And like, th- maybe this is where we see his empty wallet. Okay. You know, yeah. Like maybe he's got like, you know, 50 cents on him and he's like, Oh, what can, what can I get for this? And they're, they're like, you know, but back in the nineties, I think you could get a cup of coffee for 50 cents. Yeah, probably at McDonald's. Yeah. He's like, uh, you know, a small coffee. He's like, all right, I'll take it, you know, and gets that. And then like have, this is where I think it'll be both a funny sequence, but sad at the same time, have like somebody like come back to their table with like a full, like supersized meal. And Matt's like, just, you know, putting the sugar in his coffee, kind of stirring it. And the guy gets up to, like, get something. Like, maybe he goes to get ketchup. But Matt just grabs the entire tray and runs out the door, like, really fast. Yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> just yeah. like, oh, I got your food. Like, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, it's the funny Chris Farley, like, physical comedy moment. But also really fucking sad because, like, this guy is broke and desperate enough to, like, steal somebody's meal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't know how much we want to double down on, like, the on almost laughing at him but like I, I was just waiting for you to be like he runs on the parking lot and like slips on like a ketchup packet and like the and it falls and goes everywhere and he'll and then that just really really drives home like the rock bottom that he stole yeah. this guy's food and then he just spilled it everywhere and maybe he just like grabs up like you know the burger 
and maybe a handful of fries and just runs off with him. And then yeah. like, we, we cut to him in the van and we see him literally eating like, you know, you know, uh, fries that he picked up off the ground, you know, and like a burger like a with squirrel. a squirrel. Yeah, exactly. And a burger with a bite out of it or whatever. And he's just, you know, and just realizing like, how did I get to this? You know, Jeez, well, see, and, like, this and I think the, the cool thing about this is, is like, I feel like there's, there is some nuance to this. Because I've seen films that do shit like this in the theater, and there's always that combination of people that are laughing because, like, they're not looking at the overall picture. They're just seeing what's happening in front of them. Then there's the people who are uncomfortably laughing, like, oh, this is kind of fucked up. And then there's the people that are, like, disturbed by it. And I feel like this plays Mm -hmm. on those levels where it's like, you have Chris Farley doing physical comedy. No matter what, it's going to be funny. That guy was yeah. a master of slapstick and physical comedy. So I, I think it's it's that perfect balance, like that tightrope walk of, you know, ha, look at him doing something funny. He slipped on ketchup. That's funny. But also bookended by this really depressing moment of he had no fucking money and he's like hiding in a van eating spilled food that was somebody else's. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I like where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? We can even drive this home even more where when, when if we back up a little bit and like he goes out to like get his gear at Phil Hartman's house. When he goes back, like they've locked him out and he's banging on the door. He's getting mad. Maybe maybe while he's banging on the door, he's yelling like, hey, like, let me back in. Like you locked the door. Hey, like, you know, what the Christ? Like, open the door. You didn't pay me yet. You know, just have oh, him throw that yeah. line out. And then, yeah, now he's like they kicked him out of the house because they're like scared of him. And he's just like, you bitches, like you didn't pay me. And now I'm going to have to go to McDonald's and like, you know, steal food. And it's like, fuck, man, talk about rock bottom, right? Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, he definitely has to be back in the van and he start, we start, we got, we got to start having the flashbacks, right? We got flashbacks right. to while he's sitting there eating his like desperation fries, you know, he's just thinking about what life used to be like. Maybe, you know, he has that like flashback to a time when, you know, he, you know, was at a restaurant eating fries with his kid and they were, they were all happy and laughing over something and how amazing that was or some like backyard, like barbecue making hamburgers, you know? Yeah. That's what I was, I, I immediately pictured like a backyard barbecue where we see like, we see we see the nice house, you know, we see uh, Matt's family, maybe because he does. He does mention he has uh, a couple kids. I don't mm-hmm. I, what, Did they say three at one point? I want to say so, but I don't know for sure. And I, I couldn't find all of the skits on on uh, uh, yeah. YouTube to watch them. But, yeah, let's just go with I know he had three wives. One of them was Linda. Yeah, I think three kids sounds right. Yeah, because I know he does mention in one of them that his son is in college because he talks about breaking into his son's dorm room. So yeah. mm-hmm. we know that, like, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and assume like the the one son, you know, would be much older at this point. And so so maybe like when we see this flashback, like he's got like a teenage son and then like maybe like, I don't know, like a 12 year old, and like an eight year old, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So we see like his his wife, like kind of, you know, lovingly like a loving family with his children, all of his friends. And like there's business associates there and he's making burgers and drinking a beer and maybe they're talking about stock trade. You know, it's it's everything is mm-hmm. just it seems like it's going good for Matt. And yep. I think it would be fun here to not maybe not fun, but poignant here to have like we see this this great, you know, backyard barbecue and then smash cut to him and Linda arguing in the living room like at night. And then maybe maybe her saying something like, you've got to stop this, Matt, like, you know, this this it's too much. And maybe I'm saying something like, I don't have a problem. You have a problem. Well, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole deflection and he, and see like 
the oldest son, like listening at the top of the stairs, like realizing what his father's becoming, yeah. you know, like, so yeah. we have, we have this, like, you know, this horrible moment where his, his freaking life is falling apart. And then we cut back to the van down by the river, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. We should, the backyard barbecue, like all of his like work buddies and like neighborhood pals, you know, and his kids are there, you know, throwing a football or whatever, like you said. And then we should have a little bit of a fast forward where it's like, the, now the sun has gone down and he's sitting around like, you know, the, 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 the pool or whatever, but he and his work buddies are just like, you know, doing lines like right in front of everybody. Like, yeah. and just, and just laughing hysterically. And like the energy is over the top. And maybe, you know, maybe his wife is like ushering the small kids like into the house, like look, giving him that like evil eye of like, how could you right in front of the kids, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah. And then a couple hours later and they're in the house and they're having this screaming match. And yeah, so he's, you know, clearly uh, he, he's, you know, gotten out of control with like the party lifestyle. And uh, yeah, exactly. We, when we cut back to the van after, after all of that. And um, I think at this point it should be like the next day, like we're going to get more flashbacks. Right. But right. I think it's kind of self-evident at this point, but I think I kind of know what, like what the breaking point with his family would be uh, now. So like, we'll get to it, but like, let's cut to the next day. And maybe he has like, maybe he has like another, job lined up or maybe he's like at the high school like in the principal's office or in the office like trying to like sell himself like you know i'm giving motivational speeches you know all over the state or blah 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 whatever he's, he's given his whole spiel like trying to drum up a job you know yeah. and uh and then maybe you know maybe uh maybe that's the principal or whoever comes out and is like foley matt foley you know and like maybe remembers him from like the old days you know it's like oh man like you were the best you know you know you were you know making money hand over fist or whatever like you were like the wizard of wall street or you know whatever like he's given right. some some anecdote of like oh i remember you you were like you know you know my neighbor or whatever and he's like you know what are you doing now like oh motivational you know motivational speaker it's like oh that'd be great like you can come and tell the kids you know all about you know your successes and how you got to where you are in life this will be amazing and so like they set that up and then we skip to the next day or whatever and it's like you know the and the high school auditorium full of kids and like you know matt comes out and starts giving his like crazy speech but as soon as he walks out we see the david spade teenager from from the first you know the first sequence and he's like sitting in the audience of the high school and he like you know elbows his friends next to him like oh this this joker what do you see this you know yeah and, <laughs> um and of course, you know, he, he just nose dives, you know, terribly, right? <laughs> of uh, course. <laughs> well, Fall, you know, falls through the podium, all the. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just a total mess. And, you know, of course, then they have to like kick him out of the school and all the students are laughing at him. But maybe at some point during that sequence, like the, you know, David, David, this teenager, uh, you know, you know, he goes from like laughing with his friends to just like, oh, shit, like that had to hurt. And maybe, you know, maybe he feels a little sympathetic toward this, like, obviously, like desperate guy, because yeah. the point what I want to get to is like, I want him to follow Matt home. Right. Like, so okay. Matt, like, so Matt's leaving the school, you know, on his bike and, you know, and, and, and we, and we see, you know, David, you know, follow behind him, you know, at a, at a careful distance on his bike, he follows him back and, and, you know, he's sort of like spying on him in like the, the van down by the river, obviously. <laughs> right. Right. But I think it'd be interesting if like, you know, he, he goes and he tries to befriend Matt, like, you know, he goes and knocks on the door, you know, and is like, Hey, like, wow, you really do live in a van down by the river, you know, and, and we can have a little bit of dialogue here, you know, maybe find out a little bit more about, he can ask him like, why do you live here? And, you know, and, and maybe now that Matt has, 
he can turn off his motivational speaker character a little bit and he can tell him like, uh, well, you know, I just uh, I'm just in between jobs and, you know, I just, uh, you know, uh, just park here because I like the view and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, right. David, David's pretty obviously noticing that, like, you know, you have this guy has nothing. And maybe he's like, hey, I was going to go to, you know, I was going to go to, you know, whatever, like the burger shop, like after, you know, after school, like uh, you you want something, you know, and you know, right. what I mean, like, I, I think it'd be kind of cool if we show that that this David character is actually like he sees that there's something really wrong and he's going to try to help. But it's going to end up like it's going to end up going terribly wrong. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, plus we, we absolutely, in a Chris Farley movie, we absolutely need David Spade. So, I mean, this makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, David Spade, like playing, playing a teenager, you know, and, yeah. uh, what, well, and then, you know, it, it, oh, here's, here's, here's a cool idea. So we need something else to go really wrong because we're going to see the flashbacks and we're, and we're going to see like the tipping point in the flashback that took him away from his family, like once and for all. But we also need a tipping point in the current storyline where he, things are just going to go beyond the pale for Matt and like something has to break, right? Good or bad. Right. Something has to break. So what if like maybe David, you know, so David goes out there, he follows him and then he's like, okay, yeah, well, like I'll see you later. And then maybe like the next day, you know, David is like, he's hanging out with friends, you know, they're getting, we, we don't have to keep, keep repeating burgers and fries. Maybe they're hanging out, you know, having, you know, milkshakes or whatever. They're hanging out at the mall. And then he's just like, yeah, he's like, okay, I'll catch up with you guys later. Like, I gotta, you know, go drop some stuff off with this, uh, you know, this uh, friend of my dad's like, you know, whatever, like no big deal. Like he's trying to play right. it off. And, you know, so he goes, but his friends, they either follow him or they're just like, oh yeah, cool, man. Like, we'll drop you off. Like, we'll come with you. And like, but it's like, you know, that peer pressure of being a teenager when it's like, it's hard to get rid of your friends when they're just like, yeah, cool. Like we'll tag along. Um, right. yeah. So they all kind of tag along and, you know, David's trying to play it off. Like it's no big deal. And of course his friends are, you know, asshole teenagers that are like, Oh man, look at this fucking dude. This fucking guy's living in this van down by this river. Do you see this shit? <laughs> you know? And of course yep. David's like, Oh yeah. You're like, that's crazy. Like, you know, I had no idea. Like, this is so weird. My dad wanted me to drop this off. And it's like, what the hell? You know, he's trying to play it off. Like it's no big deal. But the point being that, I, you know, Matt's going to come out and see David and be like, oh, like you brought me something like you really are like you care for me. Like, you know, like there's this friendship moment. And then and then these other kids, kids are going to come out of the woods and be like, oh, look at this guy. And they're going to just they're going to bully him like they're going to pick on him, you know, right. you throw his throw his lawn chair into the river or something like you're just going to fuck with him. And and this is going to be like him, Matt, thinking that it's David fooling him into being humiliated and then, you know, his having his friends come in and, and pick on him. I think, you know, Matt's going to feel like he's been betrayed and like, you know, picked on one too many goddamn times and he's yep. just going to snap. So what happens when he snaps? Like, I think that's the next question. Uh, and I have an idea, but I'm wondering, you know, what you're thinking. Um, honestly, like I, I, I wasn't picturing the thing with the kids. So like, I'm mm -hmm. trying to figure out how, cause <laughs> I don't want to go so dark as to have him kill a kid, but yeah, you know, well, okay, so uh, so where I was going with that, and and I, I don't I don't know where it came from. I was just thinking like we gotta there's gotta be some connection to him. Like he sees David as like his own son, you know, and and here okay. he is coming and he's being nice to him. And like every time he go every time he goes and does these motivational speaker things, it's like these kids just laugh at him. And like here's this one guy, this one kid, you know, teen who seemed to care. Like and he and he just matches latches onto it, you know, desperately latches onto it. Like oh, like just like my boy, but then. 
he now he feels betrayed. You know, these kids are out here just like, you know, they're going to mess with him. They're going to push him around. You know, maybe they push him into the river or he slips on the mud and slides into the river. And now they're going to laugh at him and he's going to come out and just rage. And I basically seen like I'm thinking of the kids like the other friends who were inconsequential other than being like plot point uh, plot devices. You know, they're going to run off. But David's maybe going to hang back like, hey, Mr. Foley, like, are you OK? You know, and kind of feel bad about it. But at this point, like Matt has, you know, he has gone over the deep end. He's just raging and screaming. And what I'm picturing is, is him like I want him to like take David like hostage. Like he he grabs him, you know, and oh, shit. Thro- throws him in his van. But like not like, you know, not like, you know, going to do something terrible to him but more of like he's like yeah you want to know what it's like to live in a van down by the river i'll show you what it's like to live in a van down by the river get in the fucking van you know right (laughs) but then now now he's got this he's clearly going through like a psychotic break because it's it's going to fluctuate between him wanting to kind of like teach him a lesson you know for uh because otherwise he's going to amount to jack squat but also at the same time like you know uh, you know, you're just like my boy and like, you know, I tried so hard and, you know, and it kind of fluctuates between like, is he kidnapping this kid or is he really trying to like get through to him? Like what, right. what exactly is this relation, you know, this situation, but of course David is just scared shitless, you know? Right. Um, and then, and, and I'm thinking that maybe his friends run off and they notice that, Oh shit, like, <laughs> you know, he got David or whatever, but right. like, I, what I, I want to fast <laughs> yeah. what I want to fast forward to is like, you know, like literally like a like a hostage situation with, you know, we got Matt and David in this van and then like the police show up. Right. And and right. for some reason, the cop is Tim Meadows. I don't know why, but like it seems appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Cause I feel like he could like talk to him and like, he always had that sort of like calming voice, you know, like when he was the teacher in Mean Girls, it was like calm, but yep. tough, you know, yep. so I'm not sure where it goes from here, but I feel like we've, the story has spiraled into this like psychological tense situation. You know, Matt has clearly, you know, snapped and, and, and I want him to appear like frightening and David is certainly frightened, but I don't want it to be so terrifying that it's a horror movie now. You know what I mean? Like he's a, he's a sad character. Yeah, this still has to be um, like I, I, you know, like falling down. It has to be Mm -hmm. that that thing where it's like, yeah, this character is clearly snapped, but it's not like he's not a killer. You know, Mm -hmm. he's he's not like a a psychopath murderer or anything. He's just life fucked him so many times because of his own bad decisions that he can't take anymore. Um, I think though when we when when he grabs David and throws him in the van, I think this is the perfect time for another uh, flashback scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think what we want to do is is cut back to maybe um, you know maybe like we see his son uh, wanting to move out. You know, like maybe he's like now mm-hmm. his son is like seventeen or, or eighteen, something like that, and he's talking about like how he's he's going to move out. You know, he's he's getting an apartment with his friends, and then he's going to go to college this, that, and the other, and Matt's trying to, like, stop him from moving out, being like, you're throwing your life away, you know, you're, maybe maybe he doesn't want to go to college yet, he's like, you gotta go to college, you know, you're throwing your Mm -hmm. life away, what are you doing, you know, and then maybe he has, like, a a snap, like, a breakdown there, because maybe he's high as a fucking kite, because he was just snorting lines, and he throws his son in the basement and locks the door, like, you're not coming out, you're not, you're staying in the house, bro, you're gonna go to college, that whole thing, 
and you know he sits in front of the door while his son is like pounding on the door maybe that's where his wife comes in like -hmm. she comes home from getting groceries or whatever and finds matt like passed out in front of the basement door with her son like banging on the other side of the door screaming to you know like crying let me out oh god yeah Yeah. and then have her like freak the fuck out and be like what is wrong with you and not only does she you know divorce him here but she gets custody of the kids because like clearly he's not fit to be a parent so we see that like when he spy like he spirals like that, it's the whole I couldn't stop my son, I couldn't save my son, you know, and I, I fucked up my own life. I'm gonna save you, kid. And then mm-hmm. it's like he's doing the exact same thing that he did wrong the first time, yeah. you know, so where he's like he's trying to physically stop somebody from making a mistake that he thinks they're making. Yeah, no, I think that's good. That's yeah, I really like that. That's, that's I think that's a really good continuity. And I don't want to have to. I don't know that we can keep stopping and like uh, choreographing these like flashbacks. So I think I'm just gonna like skip to like the next couple of things that popped into my head, and we can kind yeah. of like figure out. We can either pop them in as we go, or we can just say, look, okay, here's the rest of the flashback sequence, and like we're gonna we're gonna kind of cut back and forth. Rather than you and I cutting back and forth, we can just kind of be like, okay, here's the old timeline, here's the new timeline, and like you know, we'll just imagine as we go along that we're gonna like you know, uh, intersplice back and forth based on like themes, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So exactly, like he so he grabs David, throws him in the van, and again, again, it's not like he's. You know, I don't want to have like pedo vibes, you know, no. we don't want we don't want that. It's, again, it's more of like, you know, a, a, a dad who's on like a rager, you know, but definitely very like parental, um, very disciplinarian. Uh, but, yeah, we do that whole flashback, like you said. And, yeah, what I'm thinking is like, you know, like the wife is like she's kicking him out. Maybe not divorce right away, but just like you get out of here and, you know, go sleep it off or whatever. Like, you know. But then I want to have another sequence where like the next flashback is, you know, um, maybe the wife comes home or somehow the wife catches him with like another woman. You know, like he was on some coked out bender with his buddies. You know, maybe he maybe he stumbles in late and like the girls like still with him. And like he's so just oblivious to everything that he's just like, oops, you know, and uh, but uh, but like and, and that's Linda. Like and then, you know, and then. When, when we see him again, it's like we see them, you know, like like they're getting a divorce, like maybe, you know, they, they show up to or maybe like they're like leaving court. And he's like, oh, like, bitch, how could you like take my kids? And I look at visitation rights. And then like, you know, that the woman that he was with, that was like that he like cheated on her. Like, you know, maybe she's like following behind him and she's like, oh, Matt, honey, you tell that bitch, blah, 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 blah. And then have him just turn to her and be like, Linda, shut your yapper, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. So that's Linda, right? She, she's obviously like the first wife. And, you know, we don't necessarily need to show like what the third one was, but it was probably one of those like I got drunk in Vegas and woke up with a ring on my finger kind of things, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> considering his his life choices. Yes, <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of like that's the whole flashback sequence is like we see his son, his son, you know, doesn't go to college, you know, kind of out of spite, you know, and just gets like a, but he gets a good like blue collar job and he's doing okay, you know, and, uh, and Matt like just wants to be a part of his life, but it's just like, absolutely not. Like he just completely cuts him out. You know, his wife doesn't want to talk to him and he has no visitation rights for his younger kids, you know, and then, you know, obviously boom, band down by the river. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's just, you know, and this is where we picked up at the beginning with, you know, him, him trying to maintain this motivational, you know, speaker thing uh, that, again, he started because it was kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I, I used to make millions of dollars and teach other people how to do it. Now I'm going to teach you how to do it too. But he's just, you know, obviously spiraled. So 
now they have this situation where like the police show up and they're like, you know, and again, it's like a hostage situation. And now we've our movie about a silly guy falling through tables and yelling at kids has turned into like, you know, we have like a police negotiator out here, you know, trying. Right. <laughs> You know, and I, 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 I just picture Matt trying to explain, like, no, no, it's OK. Like, I, like, I'm just, you know, his dad hired me and like I'm a motivational speaker and like I'm just trying to like teach him a lesson. And this is like part of the process. And then, of course, David's just like, no, help me. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> this man is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And maybe we can get some of the backstory through this, like this now this, you know, this there's like this third act hostage, you know, standoff. And maybe they have his his wife, maybe his ex-wife, maybe she shows up and she's just like, Matt, like, come to your senses. Like, what are you doing? You know, like they bring in someone from his family to like talk him down, you know, and we and and maybe that's what, you know, maybe I'm going too fast here. But, you know, maybe that's what finally gets him to finally like see reason is when his wife and maybe or maybe his son shows up and it's just like dad, like. You have to stop, you know, like what, like stop and look around. Where are you? You know, yeah. where or where do you think you are? You know, that sort of thing, because he's clearly having some kind of a psychosis. Right. No, I, I think I think that that's good. I think I think that's that's basically where where we need to wind up with the, the, the film, like the the climax of the film is this this uh, hostage situation. But I, I definitely feel like throughout the movie, like you, like you mentioned with the flashbacks, we have to have a few other gigs at least. So we, we should probably have like uh, not only the school one that you mentioned, but maybe have something like, um, you know, maybe maybe even do the callback to the gym, you know, where he goes oh, yeah. like he goes to the gym to try to do some kind of motivational speaker and maybe even have him like be like, this guy's out of fucking shape. Like, how the hell is he going to, you know, give us any kind of motivation? Kind of the same way they did in the skit. But ha- but show it affecting Matt negatively, you know, show it like just mm-hmm. another like shit sandwich that he has to take a bite out of. You know, it's just like I feel like we, we need mm-hmm. more of of his his life just kind of slowly getting to that point where he's willing to take a hostage. You know? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we can go back like. I, I, my mind was going down toward like, you know, down this, that, that spiral of into darkness, but yeah, yeah, you're totally right. We need to back up because, you know, we kind of rushed a little bit, but I just kind of want kind of wanted to like figure out that arc. Um, but yeah, like between the, the first sequence at Phil Hartman's house where we meet David for the first time. And then like the high school one, like in between there, we can do a couple of others and yeah. not, not exactly montage style, but in that like quick cut style where it's like, now he's at the gym and we see him like make an ass of himself. And now he's at the mall, you know, being a Santa and we see him make an ass of himself. And, you know, yep. like, like you said, we can take some of the classic SNL skits and, and, and recreate them, um, you know, or maybe, or maybe he goes to a prison. Cause there was a, there was one where, he actually was a prisoner in the, yeah. in the in the original SNL with Martin Lawrence, but maybe maybe this time we don't have him be a prisoner. We can just have him go to the prison and like try and give a motivational speech to like the prisoners, you know, right. which of, which of course goes terribly wrong, and he has to be like rescued, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of course, because <laughs> he he tells the wrong guy to like shut your cake hole, <laughs> start the fucking fight. <laughs> Or he just straight up starts like a riot or some shit, you know, like, and of course, if, <laughs> if, if, if we're backing up to the first third of the movie, like this is the this is the part of the movie where we're going to see like this is where all the comedy is going to be. You know, it's yeah. it's it's clearly like a sort of a sad comedy. But, yeah, like we can we can do something something crazy like he starts a fight at the prison. Um, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I think that's that's the first third of the movies we do like. 
you know, just to recap, we, you know, we introduced with like the photo montage, we do, you know, we, the whole sequence where he wakes up in the van and we do some, some silly physical comedy. He gets to Phil Hartman's house and does this whole, the whole original skit, kind of a longer form version of it meets David, you know, desperately leaves with no money, goes to the McDonald's and like steals some guy's food. And then we right. do, then we do like some, some, some smash cut scenes where we go through and show how he's trying over and over and over again to do this motivational speaker stuff. And every time it just ends and disaster and it's just getting worse and worse and worse um and then yeah maybe now it's like now he's like drumming up jobs now he's at the high school and we go to that sequence where he's going there trying to solicit like come on let me let me talk let me talk to the kids you know right and 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 we start to see and you know and throughout through all of this we're going to see like little bits and pieces of those those flashbacks we're going to have that you know like the principal whoever come out and like invite him to do the his speech we see david in the crowd like oh hey i remember that kid you know and of course he's gonna you know elbow you know his friends next to him like hey look at this schmuck and you know like you said right like we said before you know he's gonna kind of follow him and try to be his friend and so the second act or the second third of the movie is is going to be this whole sequence where you know he and david kind of like bond a little bit you know maybe, maybe we have a couple more scenes before you know the the asshole uh teenage friends show up and pick on and matt maybe yeah. there's a couple there's a couple other scenes where david's down there hanging out with them you know and yeah it, we could use this as a perfect sorry to cut you off but this is a perfect example for or a perfect place to have matt explain more of his past there you go so we we could we could sum up a lot of what happened to him like maybe he could tell him like oh you know i had it all like you know and kind of go on maybe you know talk about the wolf of wall street type thing like mm -hmm. he, he was doing good he had the you know the wife the three kids you know a house in the suburbs and you know that whole thing <laughs> and then we could talk about how like you know he got he got divorced maybe he doesn't go into how why He's yeah. like, oh, you know, things fell apart, life gets in the way, and but then I met another young filly, and I got married to her, you know, does that whole thing, mm -hmm. and then talks about like, oh, and she took me for a lot of my money, and then go into the oh, third yeah. one, and it's like we see like as he's telling the story to to David, like it starts off kind of comedic and lighthearted, and starts getting darker and darker as he's telling these stories of like how his life was falling apart. So, and I feel like this is the point where we take the hard left turn into like the psychological breakdown because mm -hmm. the, the next scene we could have, you know, David coming back the next day. And that's the scene where his, his friends come and kind of fuck with Matt and Matt just snaps, you know, and it's like, now we're, we're in, we're going into the third act of the film. That's just fucking dark. And it deals with like, you know, a mental break. We see like the divorce with his first wife. Like we see what really happened where, you know, there's the whole like locking his kid in the basement, the, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the, the fricking bringing the other woman home, like all that shit. We, we get to see like a montage of it. Yeah. Like all these like flashbacks, like we kind of go, kind of go flashback heavy in the third act. No, I, I, this is really good. I, and I, this is an interesting one too, because this has been very nonlinear, both in the sense that we have like two timelines, but also like we kind of went to the end and then backed up and kind of explained it. But you know, that's, that's a big part of how, like if I sit down and write a story, like, you know, on my computer or by hand, like that's a big part of how I, how I would oh, do same. it. And I'm, yeah. Where it's like, okay, just write everything you have down and just get to the end. And then you can kind of go back and like figure stuff out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. So I, I really like the second act where we really get to develop this relationship between Matt and David, where they're becoming friends, you know, and again, not in a creepy way, but like David really is trying to help this guy who's, you know, so hard down on his luck. And all David knows is like, 
is what he sees and what Matt's telling him. And like, to your point, he explains the story about, you know, oh, I got, I had kids, but like things went wrong and we got divorced and I married this other, you know, this other lady, you know, she took me for all my money. But as he's telling the story, have his voice get like louder and darker and he's getting more angry. And then yep. so but to the point where maybe at some point David's like, uh, didn't you say you were married three times, you know, kind of like, you know, probing a little bit. And then this is where yeah. Matt, and at this point, Matt has gotten so worked up that he's just like, well, you know what they say, what stays in Vegas or what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And he's like yelling at him and, 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 and it's like, Oh shit. Like, you know, fuck yeah. that, that he clearly hit a nerve. And this is where David's like, uh, I gotta go, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, and, I dig that. Yeah. You know? And it's like, okay, clearly there's something happening here, but obviously they've become friends. You know, David's been out there a couple of times. Maybe he's bringing him some food or, you know, hell, maybe David is the one who suggests, you know, um, or maybe he suggests a job to him. I don't know, whatever. But yeah, so it's, it's a, it's on one of these, one of these outings that like David's friends tag along. And like I said before, it's like, sometimes you can't, when you're that age, it's hard to like tell, you know, your friends no. And, and, uh, even though David knows it's going to end badly and it does, but <laughs> not as badly as, as he would, or, or I should say worse than he probably could have imagined. Right. Uh, yeah, so that first act is going to be very funny. The second act is going to be like, you know, getting sadder. And the third act now is just dark. And like, we have to really be careful with the comedy in this third act because oh, it's going to seem really out of out of nowhere, you know, really out of place if uh, if we do too many jokes because we really we want to show that you know Matt is you know it, it basically like the, he this now he's in like the mouth of madness, right? For like yes. lack of a better term. No, and, and that's I, that's kind of how like when we when we first came up with the idea of doing a Matt Foley bit, like not to not to like poo poo on SNL or anything, but my my immediate thought was this is a one note character. How do we make it? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we make it into a film? And you know, I think we were both kind of on the same page when we started here that you need to explore like why is this guy the way he is and it makes sense that it goes into a dark place because he's a weird fucking guy in the skits <laughs> you know <laughs> like yeah. he's trying to live with this family like he's always screaming at people he's all hyped up on freaking caffeine <laughs> so like yeah he's a weird dude but i think that this this third act going dark is, is kind of what needs to happen so we we have this whole hostage situation you know, we have, like you said, we have the negotiator. We have, you know, they're, they're trying to like, maybe, you know, like David's parents are there. They're freaking out. They're like, you know, don't hurt our baby, you know, that whole thing. And then it's like, you know, Linda shows up. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, Matt come to your senses and he's not listening. He's like, everybody just shot your gaps, you know, it's like <laughs> freaking yeah. out in the van, like not knowing what to do. And he's like, I can't get out of this. Like I've had enough. And David's, you know, begging him, don't, you know, don't do anything you're going to regret. Like he doesn't yeah. know what Matt's going to do. And then maybe, yeah, this is where we have his son show up and be like, you know, dad, you got to stop this and have him kind of like, you know, doing the Chris Farley, like pulling his hair and like, you know, stretching it way out and freaking out and seeing his kid and realizing like, maybe that's where he snaps back to reality. And he sees like all the flashing, you know, squad car lights. He sees all the people standing outside. He looks at David and sees the terrified look in his face and he opens up the doors and he's like, I got to stop. And he sits down and maybe, maybe he's like, he willingly goes with the cops at this point. Yeah. I think they arrest him. He's, you know, he's clearly broke. Something snapped like, but he's, he's still there enough that, cause again, you you kept bringing up the dad thing. And I think that's important. He's still there enough 
that he doesn't want to hurt this kid. You know, he, he, he never meant to harm him. He meant to try to show him, don't become like me. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, and maybe I'm skipping ahead here, but I think where we're going to end is both going to be slightly comedic and very sad. Cause I, mm-hmm. I think the, the final scene in the movie needs to be Matt in like a mental hospital, you know, needs, needs mm-hmm. to be like in, in like a group therapy session and have him like stand up and be like, my name's Matt Foley. You know, I'm 35 years young, thrice divorced. And I used to live in a van down by the river. You know, something like that. No, that'd be good. I would cut to black right there and just like I, I like the used to. It's a more positive note. And we don't need to see him fixed. Yeah. We just we just need to see him in therapy because, you know, fixed or if that's even possible, that's such a long, you know, process. And I think what we're what we're showing here is like, you know, no, we're gonna we're, he's gonna get some help and, right. and and help from David, you know, who was sympathetic to him, and help from, you know, from the police and from his family who didn't just, you know, barge in with guns, you know. They 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 listened. And I think that that's important. Um, And I think that's a positive lesson to take from all like it's a this goofy movie. But, you know, at the same time, we the the lesson here is that, like, you can get help. Like, you don't have to be, you know, in a van down by the river. Like there's resources for getting help. Yeah, I, I want to back up a little bit too, because I, I think that Matt's son coming out to, you know, like the hostage negotiation scene is that's going to be like the linchpin, the the turning point for everything. Like just just like you said, like Matt's gonna he's gonna have his moment of clarity when his son comes out, and I don't know exactly what his son is gonna say, but you know, it's, it's definitely got to be something of like, you know, like Dad, like I'm fine, like I'm good, like my life is good, you know, I have a good yeah. job and blah blah blah, and like despite Matt was trying so desperately when his son was younger to make him successful and like mold him, you know, and basically force him to be successful like me. You know, that was kind of what he was getting at was be like me, be like me, be like me, be successful like me. But now what Matt's going to say in this moment, in this sequence was, you know, was basically to admit that like, you know, I'm happy that you're happy, you know? And he's like, I always tried to make you be just like me, you know, but I'm glad, I'm glad that you're not like me. You know, like yeah. I never I never wanted you to be like me, you know, and maybe that's the moment of clarity that he has is like he was trying so desperately, you know, to almost like to rescue his son from what he subconsciously knew were these demons that he had, you know. Right. No, I think that's really good. Like we went in a weird place with this. man. <laughs> I agree. I think we should just stop right there. I think that we got to the end. We got to this really. Yeah. And we can end with like his, his, his funny catchphrase and, you know, he's getting help and, you know, and uh, maybe, you know, if, if this were Hollywood in the nineties, you know, we'd have Adam Sandler and, and all the guest star Chris Rock and, you know, his co-stars yeah. in the hospital with him. Maybe they kind of go, maybe we, we, you know, we fade to black, you know, he'll, he'll surrender to the, to the cops and, you know, he'll have his chance to talk to his, his ex-wife and talk to his son. And then there'll be that whole thing where like the camera like pans up to the trees as he like walks off with the police, you know, and then yeah. the camera's going to pan back down, like in, you know, to this uh, mental institute and yeah. And then we'll have this little thing of like, you know, you, you say Adam Sandler and it's like, you know, hi, I'm Adam, you know, whatever, whatever it was. Like he, he says his, some funny line, you know, right. <laughs> He'd be like the tally hoo hoo shabadoo, like something <laughs> stupid. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Doing his weird character. Yeah. And then you go to yeah. Chris Rock and, you know, and, and he's going to do his stereotypical, like, you know, angry black man voice, you know, right. was, that was his shtick back then, you know, and I think it'd be, this would be again, to kind of like lighten things up. We kind of have all, you know, uh, uh, Rob Schneider, you know, does something, you know, silly right here too, you know, in some right. silly voice or, or maybe he does the like Adam Meister, you know, like, right. 
right? Yeah. In the, in the therapy, the Adam Ringer or whatever. <laughs> you know? Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. He does that silly character, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, this is where we kind of lighten things up a little bit. And we have some of, you know, Chris Farley's buddies do their their signature characters from the 90s. And then we go get to Matt. And then just like you said, you know, he does his little shtick. And he's like, I used to live in a van down Mother River. Cut to black with some uh, 90s pop rock song. You know, right. To, to have a hopeful <laughs> note over the credits, you know. Misery by Soul Asylum. <laughs> uh, it might be a little dark. It might be a little dark. <laughs> That's the first song that came to mind, though. I'm like, oh, God, yeah, Misery Loves Company. Oh, man, it might be a little dark. Um, but, yeah, no, this yeah, this is good. <laughs> I was thinking more like, more like the Cardigans or something. Or, like, <laughs> or like uh, who was it, um, Eve's Plum or, or yeah. Letters to Cleo or you know, whatever. Oh, God. One of those bands. Not about letters to Cleo. <laughs> <laughs> they did like all those all those '90s like soundtrack songs, you know. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, no, this is good. Like this, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm actually really happy with this again. Like, and and I know, you know, I, I say this with every episode, but like, I would be happy to watch this, like, because I I like it when a movie can take a left turn while still making sense to the plot. Like, I hate. You know, when people are like, oh, it's it's different for different sake, like mm-hmm. that bothers me. Um, but when you can take a left turn and make it still make sense to the movie overall, I love it. You know, um, I know I've mentioned Red State before and, mm-hmm. and where the, and I, I don't know if you've watched it yet, but I'm not going to so I'm not going to ruin it. But the, there is a point in the movie where there there is a strange turn and it's like, wait, what? And then, like, you find out how it makes sense, and it's like, holy shit, that was awesome. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I like it when a film can do that. And I feel like we, we kind of did that here. Like, we took this character who is, like I said, one note, very slapstick, kind of goofy, just physical comedy, and made him sympathetic and sad and then showed, like, you know, a, a person can only take so much before they break. You know, yeah. and I and I've always found that interesting in a character too. Like, and maybe it's the fact that I grew up reading Marvel comics, but I like <laughs> flawed heroes. You know, yeah. I, I like those heroes where it's like you can see they're not perfect; they're gonna fuck up, and sometimes their fuck ups are huge. And in the case of Matt Foley, like, yeah, he fucking kidnapped a kid. You know, <laughs> that's a pretty yeah. big fuck up. It's a pretty yeah, and it's one that's hard to be sympathetic to, and I think that's kind of the challenge here too. Is like a cha- you know to challenge an audience. Like if I saw this, I'd be like, oh man, I was laughing at this a half an hour ago, and now right. I'm un- I'm uncomfortable because the character that I was laughing at literally just like kidnapped a minor, and like what we, what is this, you know? Right. And but I think that that uncomfortable, you know, cringiness is exactly what you know the the movie needs and what makes it interesting beyond. Like what you said a bunch of times, there was this one note character, this one note skit, and they and they, right. he, they there was like you know seven or eight of these Matt Foley skits that Chris Farley did, but they were all basically the same skit in a different setting, you know, the, the mall or the prison or Venezuela, you know, but it was just <laughs> it's just the same thing. So how do you how do you take that and do something interesting with it? And I think you know this is what Chris Farley probably you know would have done, you know, R.I.P. Chris Farley, um, right. because you know he would take these ideas and then just take them to the extreme, like that's kind of i think where what the the storytelling and comedy approach was is just always go there always be over the top you know and i think that that's that's what we did here so yeah i'm 
and it's, it's become a cliche amongst ourselves now where it seems like every other episode, you know, to, to call back to the beginning of this one where it's like we feel like, OK, this is the one where we're, we're going to crash and burn. This is the <laughs> <Right>. one where, <laughs> you know, we've painted ourselves so much into a corner that there's just no way we're ever going to get out. And, you know, we're going to stumble and mumble and hem and haw for 30 minutes before we give up. And we have yet to do that. <laughs> and we conquered yeah. Matt. We conquered the Matt Foley one. <laughs> and, and, and I have to say that this is the one. There was only one other episode that I was really nervous about, uh, and and that was Street Fighter because I, I was as much as I loved the Street Fighter video game, I'm like, how the hell are we gonna make this work? Um, considering even the people who made the official film couldn't make that into a film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like that's the only other one that I was super nervous about. This one because because uh, you'd mentioned at the at the top that you were a huge fan of SNL. Like I've never been a, a huge avid watcher of SNL. Like in the '90s I was, um, and then there was there was a couple points throughout like the early 2000s where I would watch it pretty regularly. And now uh, like in the last two years or so, I will I'll go back and watch it all on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. actually. When did David S. Pumpkins happen? Was that like 2016? <laughs> uh, something like that. I'm going to look it up real quick. I love David S. Pumpkins. He's See, one of my favorite characters from recent SNL. That's when I started paying close attention and started like pretty regularly. Like I don't watch every single week, but like I would say as, as much as like every other week I'll watch or, or I'll binge like an episode or two in in segments online. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like yeah. I... It was, it was it was 2016. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Because I, I vaguely remembered uh, like the following year, uh, you know, 2017. I remember being at Nickel City Con and a guy dressed up like David S. Pumpkins walked by and I was like, oh, my God, I need to get a picture. <laughs> Speaking of which, like I like SNL so much that I dressed up as David S. Pumpkins for Halloween 2020. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it was um, fun. But yeah, like so, I've I've never been a, a like a huge avid watcher. Not that I dislike it; it's just I have a hard time watching television shows because of my crazy work schedule. Um, so I went back and I rewatched these, and I rewatched the ones on YouTube twice now. Like I, I went through them all twice, going, "How the hell is this going to be a movie? What are we going to do with this?" You know, <laughs> like so I was trying to yeah. <laughs> like just get because a little peek behind the curtain, folks, is like. We we do everything off the top of the head, like during the episode, but we always need that starting point. We need some yeah. kind of seed. So we each try to like come up with our own starting point. And that's what when we get that batting the ball back and forth at the start of every episode where we're like, OK, so here's what I'm thinking. And sometimes it's like we jump right on board with what the other person is thinking. And other times it's like, well, what if we also do this? You know, yeah. but we, we need that seed to start with so we can at least have a jumping off point. You know? Yeah, um, exactly. And that's usually how we plan most of our, most of our episodes is, you know, or even when we make a decision on what topic to pick, it's like, we will throw a bunch of topics out and say, well, what if we did this one as a horror movie? Or what if we did this one as a comedy? And what if we did right. this as a TV show? And, and yeah, exactly. Without, without a seed, like we would just, you know, we, you might as well just, you know, spin a wheel and pick a topic and we probably could like, you know, improv something, but it's much, you know, it's much, I think it's much more, more fun uh in, that we can kind of curate the ideas and and we end up with really cool stuff like you know the, like this episode where it was like right. you know yeah like let's challenge each other but had we come on here just totally uh you know empty-handed and like you know spun a an rng wheel and got matt foley as a topic 
we would have been just sitting here going, uh, you know, for 10 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> we needed and, a le- little bit of conversation to figure out what the seed of the idea was. Well, and, and the funny thing is when you when you initially suggested uh, an SNL skit, um, I want to say this was the first one you suggested, too, because you're like, oh, what about SNL? And I was like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of characters. There. And you were like, what about Matt Foley? And I was like, oh, shit, because I, I hadn't thought about the van down by the river in so long. But the thing that made me go like, ooh, this could be interesting, is Chris Farley never got a chance to do anything dramatic. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he, he was always doing the comedy role, and the man was a great actor. And, like, you look at someone like Adam Sandler. You know, he was freaking Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and all that. But then he started doing more serious roles, and we found out, holy shit, the man has chops. Who would have thunk it? You know, it's like, so I really feel like, had had Chris Farley stayed with us, we would have got to see some serious roles from him. And and I and I'm sad that we never got to. So I I like the fact that we with this idea, we would have seen him play run the gamut of like haha physical comedy to like a more serious, sad character, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm glad you mentioned that too, because that is something that came up when when we first discussed this was how interesting would it be to take a character like Matt Foley who was and Chris Farley in general and, and go serious with it. And I think that mm-hmm. was, that was the thing that made us finally decide, okay, this is the idea. Like, let's stop brainstorming and go with this. It's exactly that. And I think it was, you who mentioned it too. Like, yeah, let's give Chris Farley, um, you know, posthumously a chance to show his acting chops in a serious role. And I, again, I mentioned Tommy boy earlier and I think Tommy boy is a really good example of, of a serious role that Chris Farley did. Yes. Very funny, but we really got to see him act, you know, it to be heartfelt and emotional and, you know, vulnerable. And I think something like this, yeah, it would just take it to the next level because it wouldn't just be, you know, the sweet and sappy parts of your average comedy movie, but it would be, you know, heavier, darker, and I think Chris Farley being himself in real life, a victim of addiction, I think it would have been, you know, something that would have really hit deep and he probably would have gone, you know, far inside himself uh, and, and yeah. pulled out some really unexpected things. And I think that he would have really showed people that, you know, not only does he have acting chops, but, you know, he has a he would have had a personal you know, connection to this character beyond the slapstick. Absolutely. It's and once again, you know, I say this almost every episode. I'm sad that I won't get to watch this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, one hundred percent. I was a gigantic, gigantic Chris Farley fan in the '90s. I still am. I still watch oh, yeah. Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. You know, all the time. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Hell, I even like Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I don't watch that one quite as much, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing that that was like that that was a groaner. There was a lot of like really dumb moments in that. But it's Chris Farley being Chris Farley, and I always enjoy that. So it's yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm very happy with what we did here, and um, you know, I I feel like no matter what we do, we, we are always going to lean dark in parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's just because that's the type of stories that we tend to lean toward anyway. Um, but yeah, like like so, you know, hopefully, uh. Hopefully the listeners enjoy enjoy that as much as we do. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I think, you know, 
conflict well i don't think i know a conflict is critical to any good story and yeah if you know we're up here just making stuff up off the top of our head and it's just one it's one of those things that, that we can rely on uh where you know what makes a good story good conflict and conflict is often dark desperate ugly mm-hmm. you know violent extreme whatever and it's like that that for me, I think just makes good story. And that's why I like, you know, I like horror movies and I like action movies, but I also yep. like, you know, dark and depressing dramas. Right. Um, I think that just the darker and more extreme you go, you know, the farther you go down, down that end of the spectrum, the more the, the happy ending, like it, uh, really hits home. Like the darker it, you get, the happier the ending can be. It feels earned. Yeah. I think that's why a movie like, you know, The Shawshank Redemption touches people so much because, yes, it's an extremely, extremely well written and well executed movie. But you see how deep and how dark and how low, you know, the character of Andy Dufresne got and how horrible his life was so that when you see him have a happy ending, it's so much happier you know, then what we actually see on the screen because, but what, what we feel emotionally is so much higher because of the extreme, you know, uh, uh, low points that the character got to. And I think that that, to, again, I want to, I want a high, high. So you got to go to a low, low first. Totally agree. hundred percent. All right, Mike. So yeah. this was, oh God, this was good. Like I, I was sweating again. This is one of those sweaters, you know, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we gotta we gotta go back to our our comfort zone a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, just, just a wee bit, you know. Just a wee bit. So, um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So thanks everyone for for tuning in to uh, the Raised by Rentals program. You can find us all over the social medias. Just look up Raised by Rentals. Check out RaisedByRentals.com or the same uh, goes for Rad Pantheon at RadPantheon.com. Uh, it's an art collective that we belong to. Artists, podcasters, photographers, musicians, you name it, all kinds of, uh, of great artists. And if you like this show, we think pretty strongly you'll like one of those other projects as well, such Absolutely. as The Boogeyman's <laughs> Closet, our uh, weekly horror movie review podcast, and uh, Count Creepyhead's Saturday Morning Monster Mash, where three grown man children talk about toys. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's always a good time. Always a good time. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, for for stopping in. And whatever you are listening to this on, please leave a rating, leave a comment. Uh, We're now on YouTube as well. So if you're listening to this on YouTube or you like listening to podcasts on YouTube, go check that out. That's a really, really easy interface for comments. We would love to hear from you, especially if you have an idea for something that we should improv, improve next time. And with that, I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we have to return some videotapes. Raised by Rentals is a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support Rad Stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com. Mm-hmm.